And we are back, episode 10 of Devils on the Rush with the Fisherman and Alex Chavance. This week, unfortunately, the winning streak came to an end. But all in all, the Devils won three out of four and uh, continue playing really great hockey. Alex, what would you see? Um, saw a lot of good stuff. I mean, honestly, you could even argue that the winning streak shouldn't be over, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, they played really good uh, hockey again for the most part. Uh, goaltending was great from both Vitek and Akira this week. Players, you know, you expect to be star players stepping up. A um, lot to talk about in a good uh, a good way again, even though we we have to talk about this thing called a loss, which, I, you know... <laughs> Unheard of these days. Unheard of. Bless you, by the um, way. But, for, for anyone who's wa- wa- bless you to the fishermen there. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Got a, got a new cat in the house, and it's affecting my allergies, but here we are. Um, yeah, great week. Let's 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 kick off with the Edmonton game. Uh, a lot to love there. Um, I thought they played really well, and, and they pretty much skated the Oilers off the ice towards the end of the game. Yeah, I thought that might have been the game that the streak comes to an end, because, uh, you know, it's like, that was the night where they could tie the record and you just kind of like thought, oh, that's tough to do. It doesn't always happen. And the Oilers, you know, they're not off to the best start, but they still have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And as the Rangers saw yesterday, that uh, can pose some problems uh, pretty quickly. So, but the Devils, um, like you said, they kind of, they controlled that game at 5-on-5. Five five. They were just too quick for the Oilers, um, which they've been against for like every team this season so far. Uh, Vanacek was really good in that game. Uh, I mean, there's, there's nothing... I really don't have any complaints about that game. I thought that one might have arguably been their best game of the week. Uh, and started that game game-off quick with that power play goal from Jesper Blatt, which right, was gorgeous. Yeah. And uh, that was something that, um, you know, Ruff had been talking about uh, before we had done our last episode, that he wants to see some better starts in the first period from uh, his teams, and he got that against the Oilers. So uh, that was that was good to see, for sure. Definitely, definitely. Now, um, what should we just go into to the Maple Leafs game? I mean, it seemed like the Oilers game was pretty, pretty status quo uh, as part of the winning streak. I, I was in attendance. The crowd was pumping. Um, kept McDavid in, in check. Kept Dreisaitl in check. Only gave up one power play goal. Um, killed off three. Tatar had the acrobatic goal, which was actually pretty wild. I mean, anything yeah. you want to touch on that? Uh, yeah, I forgot about Tatar's goal. That was uh, that was pretty sick when he just kind of batted it out of midair. Uh, you know, kind of speaks to the season he's having to start this year. Full bounce back in full uh, in full swing for Tatar. I'm probably writing about that at some point this week. Um, you know, he's not like your typical first liner, but he's playing first line minutes because he's just been that good. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a, everyone's contributing. That's the thing. Like, if it's not – if Jack, like, obviously not going to put up hat tricks every night, you have to have, like, players, other players step up. And when you have, like, Tatars and the Zetterlands, Sharon Govich, Mercer all playing well too, uh, it speaks volumes to the team's depth up front. Yeah, and they had great puck movement that game. I think even the um, the Damon Severson goal stands out where they yeah. had the tic-tac – play between Jesper and Jack and then Damon coming um, late on the rush in the, in the slot there and just potting it home. That was, that was a very pretty goal. Yeah. That was one of the prettiest goals of the season to this point. I think, uh, the, yeah, the passing was unreal. Um, the Oilers, you know, they're not a great defensive team to start with. So not kind of like surprised that things broke down there, but uh, that was like, Obviously, the passing was uh, on another level, but also kind of like it was so quick that like it just kind of speaks to the team's speed as well. Like this, it's a pretty difficult thing to defend against, and even like I think even the best defensive teams in the league would have trouble with that. Not just like a you know average to below average team like the Oilers. So uh, yeah, I mean it, you know, and even though Brat and Jack Hughes ended up getting split up as line mates later in the week, I mean, they've been so good together when they've been together this season. Um, yeah, it's just like how do teams defend against that? It's two guys who are first liners who are fast and skilled. Like, what do you do about that? So, yeah, that was, that was impressive yeah. stuff. Yeah, and, and I think another important thing to note was that we actually had an e-bug siding without the starting goalie getting hurt. Uh, is that is that a first for you, Alex? Have you have you seen that before? 
Uh, without, I didn't even realize that. Uh, no, I don't think I've seen a knee bug situation. Well, Jack Campbell did break his nose on the bench catching right, right. a stray puck. Yeah, he hadn't. Yeah, I feel bad for him. Um, yeah, I hadn't seen that before. Like he's not playing. You know, he's just kind of just casually sitting there and really unfortunate luck. He's had a tough start to the season and he seems like a really likable guy. So I felt really bad for him when that happened. But yeah, I'd never seen that before. Like he's just kind of, you know, the goalie sitting on the bench and you have an e-bug situation when he's wasn't even in the game. Yeah, always, always, always cool to see an e-bug. Um, just another couple things to note. The Devils did get outshot in that game, which is pretty abnormal for this season. They did lose the face-offs. Um, however, they did get a power play goal and uh, did kill off three or four power uh, penalty opportunities as well. So all in all, great game. Um, and, you know, kudos to them because they did tie the franchise record. And um, at least, you know, this will you know forever be noted with the – was it the 01 team or the 03 yeah, it was team? Yeah, the 2000, uh, 2001 team. Yeah, so they'll forever be in the record books there, and it was it was good to see and um, another sellout crowd at the Rock, which is always fun. Yeah, and even though they got outshot that game, that was mostly because of the Oilers' power play. But at five on five, they had like they had controlled the shot attempt and expected goals battle pretty, you know, clearly. So um, of course, yeah, Alex is all over it, all over it. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right, let's go. Let's go into the next game. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, ended the streak. Uh, tempers poured over onto the ice after three disallowed goals. We'll get into that in a second. Um, takeaways from that game, Alex, what did you have? Yeah, so the Leafs came in with a pretty banged-up blue line in that game. If I remember, like, Mac Hollowell was making his uh, NHL debut that game. Uh, they had, like, Justin Hall as their first on their top pair. Morgan Riley was just got placed on LTIR that day, I think, as well was an injury so and it showed up in the stats like the, the devils were definitely the better team that game as well they controlled play at five on five um, outshot the leafs by 15 yeah what was the final total i think it was like 34 19 or somewhere around there. 35 20 and they also dominated from the face-off dot uh 60 Oh, 59% to 41%. Yeah, um, and then so. yeah, and at 5 on 5, they had a 48 to 30 shot attempt advantage over the Leafs and they controlled over 60% of the expected. And game. shockingly, the out hit them as well. Yeah, the Leafs are not like a ter- they they play kind of a similar style of game to the Devils. They're not really like that physical a team either. They like to play with pace and stuff. That's what Sheldon Keith likes there. Um there's obviously Matt Murray, you know, I mean, there's the three. Stood on his head. I mean, there was there was a number, I think, at least five or six saves where you're just like, oh, man, he's, he's really on tonight. Yeah, he was dialed in that game. He was also pushing the the net off the, the moorings. All right, should we get into the good stuff here? All right. Yeah. So for, out of the three disallowed goals, why don't you go into each one and, and tell me what you think? Yeah, so I'm, I got to remember the order. So, yeah, the first one was the Bastion uh, goalie interference. Uh call which at the time you know that didn't look great but i saw the highlights of the oilers and rangers game yesterday and there was like a nearly identical goal uh goalie interference call that went against the rangers like that and it was basically the same thing like campbell barely got touched and they waved it off so like yeah it just seems that if you're in the crease and you're anywhere near the goalie um they're just gonna call it like the side of your skate on like a goalie's pad like and you're in the you, you could touch your shoelace and that's it yeah, you know then. So at the time i was like oh, that's i mean that's harsh but i just saw the same call go against the rangers so i guess they're calling that consistently at the same time you got hellebuck who's like his helmet falls off and he looks like he's dead on the ice and they, they give that goal to the stars so i don't know anyone that can define goalie interference for me yeah, please do because i don't think anyone can a little bit too much of a gray area these days. So it's like what what's a catch in the NFL? No idea. Yeah, exactly. So um there was that. The second goal I think was probably the most controversial one and probably the one that should have stood. Um like Murray- everyone was circulating the Nathan McKinnon Mackenzie Blackwood incident from last season. Yeah, I saw that. I I mean I remember when that happened last season. I didn't watch the highlights of that, but I remember what people were talking about. Um, I mean, Matt Murray was not even in the trapezoid or anything like that. He was out. Uh, he was out and you could see Tatar moving the opposite way away from him to try to avoid him. Yeah, and it's like they didn't call a penalty on the play. They just said incidental contact. So 
And well, if it's incidental contact, then it can't be disallowable, right? I, I mean, I guess apparently it can. It's up. It's subjective. It's to the ref's discretion. So, um, you know, it's like Elliot Friedman was saying on the Friday, and Merrick were saying on the Friday episode of Thirty Two Thoughts, also that they were like, that's the one that you could probably argue that could have counted. It's like Matt Murray at that point, he's out to play the puck. He's way. He's not even close to the crease. Like he's. I mean, you can't obviously truck him, but. You know, it's like if you make contact with a player like Tatar who's just kind of skating around, it's not like Tatar is actively trying to hit him or anything like that. I think that one should have counted. Um, But, you know, it is what it is. The refs made that call. And then, uh, you know, you kind of hope at that point that's the last of the disallowed goals. But uh, no, sir, that was not uh, what happened. Eric Hollis, step in, stage left. And if we, like, honestly, when we talk about the three disallowed goals that was the one by the rule the rule may be stupid but i mean that's the rule that was the one that should have obviously been disallowed like third one was pretty obvious obvious kicking motion even if he was kicking away from the goal and it ricocheted in but far out of the crease and that's the thing about the rules too is like maybe you should just kind of i don't know maybe goals allowed should be allowed to be kicked in if you're not in the crease, but uh, they got to do something about that kick rule too, because it's taking too many goals away from, not just from the devils, just in general. And you want to see more goal scoring. Uh, but that was the one most obviously that should have been disallowed. And it was, but at that point, you know, there's two disallowed goals. The win streak the, is on the line to break it, the, at least the franchise record. Um, and it was two, nothing uh, at that point. So yeah, hollow's goal would have made it two one, right? So, and, you know, tensions are high in the building, and everyone knows what happened after that. Yeah, I mean, it was quite unfortunate what happened after that. We saw beer, we saw bottles. Contenders um, go to, yeah. That, well, first of all, that's a that's just a criminal offense because the chicken tenders at the Rock are phenomenal, and you should never be throwing those on the ice. And beer, we're um, wasting beer. Yeah. So, but I mean, first of all, it's just unacceptable. Yeah. Uh, if you did throw something on the ice, um, just don't do that again because it looks makes us look as fellow Devils fans like assholes and jackasses yeah. and scumbags and just just a bad look. Yeah. I mean, even on uh, I think it was Novo who tweeted it out before the game last night. Uh, the at the, uh, the Prudential Center they had a big thing on the jumbotron during pregames that said uh, don't throw objects on the ice, please. So like, yeah, please don't do that. Because, that was kind of uh, ironic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll get into that in a second. But um, yeah, I, just just like I like I get the frustration at that point because you had two disallowed goals and there was so much at stake with the winning streak. Like they could have broken a franchise record. And it kind of like, I, I mean, it, it is what it is. I don't want to say it cost them the game, but that's kind of what happened. Uh, yeah, but just don't throw things on the ice. Like, I get the frustration, but there are, like, better ways to, like, vent about it. Just go on Twitter and be mad. It's better to do that. Yeah, just go into the cesspool that yeah, is Twitter. Just, just vent on Twitter. Like, there's no, there's nothing. Elon Musk doesn't care what's happening at this point. Just say whatever you want. It's better than throwing <laughs> stuff on the ice. So <laughs> Exactly, but... um. You know, I th- I think it's unfortunate that the streak ended, but it was going to end at some point. Um, they played well that game. It's not like they got completely yeah, outplayed. No, and yeah, exactly. They definitely, you know, win a meter. They probably, you know, deserved did, to win yeah, that. They did. Uh, they did win the deserve to win the meter that night too. And you know, credit to Matt Murray. I mean, three, yeah, sure, three goals were disallowed, but and he was pushing the net off its moorings, like I said. But that, yeah, that's pretty egregious. I've I've seen a couple of videos now across a bunch of different games where he just yeah, well, pops was, that thing off. Yeah, it was even worse in the wild game. Uh, like a couple of nights later, he like even Dean Dean Evason was asked about it. I think from Michael Russo uh, after the game, he was like, "Yeah, even the second he's like, yeah, he, the second one when he did it the second time, I was like, he's doing this obviously, and the ref is standing right there." And they didn't do anything. So. And then they come out with the drill, and it's not drilled in deep enough, and they yeah, like, drilled as deep as they can. And it's yeah. just stupid. And like you can tell by the overhead projections that he's knocking it off intentionally with either like his pat or his leg or his blocker. Um, so yeah, the refs need to they got to start calling that because you know it's caught like in the Devils game when he did it. It's when the Leafs were hemmed in for like a, at least a solid minute, and he knew that that they were hemmed in, and he just kind of gave the net, you know, slight little accidental nudge, and it stopped Clear playing. They come out with the drills, and yeah, there should have been a delay game. It should have been like that against the Wild a couple of nights later too. So you know, credit to him, he did play well, but that's kind of like, yeah, that's a little bush league, I guess. Um, so 
It is what it is. Gamesman- gamesmanship, depending on whose side you're yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, if you get away with it, you know, keep doing it. But eventually, the refs are going to have to. They're going to be on notice about that, especially after Dean Evison said something after the Wild game. It kind of puts everyone on notice. So. Yeah. All right. Um, so the Devils then had a chance to bounce back on Friday against the Buffalo Sabres and, and did just that. They outshot the Sabres by 10, 44-34, dominated the faceoff dot. Um, outside of the first period where Craig Anderson basically stood on his head, Devils pretty much dominated play, um, were up for most of the game 2-1 and then um, finished with a third goal and, and really capped this one off. What'd you see, Alex? Yeah, so Craig Anderson was really fantastic. The game, uh, aside from the Tomas Tatar goal, he should probably he had forty-one that. saves. Yeah, that's how old he is too, right? He's forty. Yeah, forty-one saves for the forty-one-year-old. Exactly. Good, yeah. good catch there. Uh, yeah, but he's like the. Oh, he's coming with the hard-hitting stats. <laughs> there you go, from the fisherman hard-hitting stats. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like the Devils. That's definitely played outplayed the Sabres that game no question about it and they got off to a good start again um you know it took them a while I think Jack's goal was the first one that came in the beginning of the second period right that's what that was their first tally right yeah you you could see them getting a little bit frustrated it almost seemed like Anderson kept that game you know as close as he could for the longest time um and then you know, with the way the Devils were playing, it was kind of only a matter of time before they scored, which I had, if I remember right, I even tweeted that out during intermissions. Like, oh, the Devils really controlled play at 5-on-5. Five five. You know, if they just stick with it, they're going to get a couple goals, and, you know, eventually they did. And, yeah, I mean, credit to Craig Anderson. I've, I always loved Craig Anderson, even when he was in his prime. He's just always, like, a really underrated goalie, and I never really thought he got the credit he deserved. So it's cool to see him still doing well uh, at his age. Um, he's Like I said before, he... Aside from the Tatar goal, he was really great that night. Um, but the Devils were definitely the better team that deserved to get the win. And it was a nice response uh, by them, especially, uh, you know, coming off what had happened a couple nights before at the Prudential Center with the Maple Leafs game. Uh, just they didn't really, let it get to them. They just came out, played their game. Yeah, yeah. There, was, there was no hangover from that game whatsoever. And a lot, a lot of people deem that as, like, the top game of the season, too, against the Leafs. And... You know, you could definitely see them be getting stuck in their own head last year. And this year, nope, just shook it off and came out and dominated that game. Yeah, it was kind of like as if nothing happened. And, you know, I think that speaks to leadership with the players at this point, but also speaks to leadership with Lindy Ruff. Uh, I mean, the guy's been a head coach for 30 years. He just got his 800th win in the league. Um, Unbelievable. he's He's seen everything. So, like, you know, when you've got a good team like that, and he had some pretty good teams with Buffalo, he knows how to manage it. So... Um, we also got to talk about Kira Schmid that night, too. Oh, yes, please do, because he was incredible. And it yeah, was sad to see that he didn't get the he didn't get the shutout. But, I mean, he definitely deserved it and played outstanding. Yeah, I mean, uh, let, me, uh, let me pull it up quickly here. I got the, the report out from Natural Stat Trick. But, yeah, he was great that night. And he's kind of turned into a bit of a revelation at this point. Um, you, Who would have thought after last season's performances, too, because – you know, he didn't even show any brilliance last season. He 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 looked almost like a deer in headlights, and it's been a completely new new goaltender this season. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say too. Like last season, you could tell he was definitely not ready for. Because like you play. even saw some flashes of brilliance with Nico Dawes. That is, um, he had a couple games where he won the game for the Devils, but anytime Schmid got got the call, it was it was a little disappointing. But this season, it's not even like the same guy in net. Yeah, and I think that speaks to the experience. Uh, experiences each goalie had like during the pandemic like Dawes at least went to Germany to play a little bit in the DEL while the OHL season was canceled and even though he didn't play in like that many games you're still practicing with pro players and the German league is not that bad anymore it's pretty decent European league at this point um so that definitely helped great fans in the German league yeah I, I never like I've always going to a European game has always been interesting to me but I've always like thought maybe like Sweden or Finland or something but like German hockey games are hell of a time so um but yeah that definitely spoke to um, the I, that was definitely one of the biggest differences between the two of them last year like Kira Schmid just came straight from the USHL which is like a not great junior league especially when you compare it to the CHL leagues up in Canada it's just like the quality is not as good and you know he was never supposed to play with the Devils last year he was either supposed to be in the ECHL or with the Comets the whole time and he played well with the Comets, but yeah, I mean, he was just kind of like a fish out of water in the NHL. And to see the progression he's made in such a short amount of time is really impressive. And like, 
now it's even to the point where like you know are the devils better off riding with a vanacek schmied tandem or you know blackwood schmied like our blackwood Vanacek's i think we have like, a couple like, weeks until we have to answer that one alex yeah i think Bla- i don't think blackwood's gonna be back until like maybe a little bit before christmas so you know schmied's gonna get some more starts until then there i mean you have the confidence to play him against him against some pretty good opponents yeah, i would guess too because the schedule is not friendly yeah the schedule is gonna get a little tougher here before the christmas break um so you're gonna but he's gonna I mean, the way he's playing, like, you, you would feel confident throwing him in. And I'm just, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but, like, you would feel confident uh, playing him against, like, a quality team like the Boston Bruins or something like that with the way he's playing now if you have to. Um, obviously, Vanacek's your first option because he's playing great as well. But, yeah, Schmid was yeah. fantastic against the Sabres, and uh, he stopped about 2.29 ex- goals above expected. And even though the the Devils won the, you know, the chance battle that game, I mean, he still fits some quality stuff from the Sabres, and... The thing that I like about him the most is like he's just so calm in the net. Last year, he was just kind of like his positioning was all over the place, and you could tell he wasn't really comfortable. He was kind of floundering all over the place, and now he's just like that. He knows what he's doing in net. Like it's he's up to the. I guess what I'm trying to say is, is like he's used to NHL pace. He can play with it now. Yeah, and he's looking great side to side as well, uh, picking up the puck well. His rebound control has been a lot better than it was last year. Yeah. And he's definitely going to be needed. I mean, look at this stretch. From December 17th to January 1, you have the Panthers, you have the Hurricanes, followed by the Panthers again, and back-to-back Bruins games, yeah. then Pittsburgh, and then you top off New Year's Day with the Carolina Hurricanes again. I mean, you're definitely going to need strong goaltending in that stretch, and hopefully he can provide it. Yeah, assuming Blackwood is not back by then. But, yeah, I mean, right now with what Vanacek and Schmid are doing, you should feel pretty good about your chances, especially since the Devils, other than that Capitals game, really have been the better team at 5-5 five five almost every night. So, um, Well, I think a lot of fans thought that it was going to be a, you know, a, co- a goalie controversy with the three with Bernier. Mac and um, VTech, but now Schmid's entered the conversation, and Bernier seems to have. I don't even know if he's going to play this year, to be yeah. quite honest with you. Yeah, even Tom Fitzgerald seems a little unsure of what's going to happen with Bernier. And I'm sure Bernier himself doesn't know if he's going to play again. Feel bad for him. I kind of hope he does get a chance to play um, again. That's an unfortunate way to have your career end. Nobody wants to see somebody's career end because of an injury, but. Yeah, Schmid is clearly the team's number three right now, and he's got a 9.52 save percentage. I know the sample size is pretty small. It's like four starts and five appearances or whatever. But, I mean, 9.52 save percentage is 9.52 save percentage. So, yeah, we'll see Keep it happens. coming, baby. Keep yeah, it coming. Exactly. All right, and then they finished off with who I deemed the boogeyman last night against the Capitals, the second half of a back-to-back. Um I think it's fair to say the Capitals probably were the better team last night. They dominated a lot of the play. They outshot the Devils considerably. But the Devils capitalized on their opportunities and and beat the Capitals, a team they've struggled with for quite some time now. Yeah, so like Danico and uh, Ken Danico and Bryce Savildor were kind of you know saying throughout the game and in the post-game show, um, that was like a total reversal of the first Capitals game when the Devils lost 6-3, uh, you know, the Devils were at five and five. That team, that team, they just completely outplayed the Caps. But Mackenzie Blackwood had a bad night, and you lose six three. But you know, shit happens. And then last night it was the exact opposite. The Caps, um, and I think the back to back had a little bit to do with it, especially since the Buffalo game was an eight p.m. start instead of a seven. That's kind of tough. Definitely got hemmed in in the first period. They they looked outside of the. Nico goal. Um, they were pretty much hemmed in the entire period. Yeah, I mean they kind of got hemmed in the entire game. The Caps finished with a sixty to thirty three shot attempt advantage, and they had they expect the goals uh, battle. They won the expect the goals battle at five and five too. Even on the power play, the Caps got some good chances, but you know that was uh, Vitek Vanacek's revenge game last night um, for sure, and probably his best one to date. I mean, yeah. saved thirty seven shots, thirty seven out of thirty eight, which. Stellar effort. I think Ovechkin had eight shots on goal. Yeah. Um, just looked real sharp, especially on all the penalties. I, I know they gave up the one uh, power play goal, but outside of that, looked extremely sharp. Yeah, and by the time the Caps had scored that power play goal, it was already 4 nothing New Jersey. So, yeah, it was kind of, the game was already salted away at that point. And it was the Jack Hughes show outside of that. Yeah, we'll get to him in a second. Um, but, yeah, Vanacek. 
Uh, fantastic. He's up to a 923 save percentage on the season now, which is top 10 in the league. Uh, you know, I expected Vanacek to be good for the Devils. I was a fan of him before. If we go back to the prediction episode, you you said he was going to run away with the starting job, and it looks to be that he has. Yeah, at least for the time being, uh, for sure. He's clearly, I mean, he's been a top 10 goal in 10th in the NHL. Um, I didn't think he was going to be this good. I thought he'd, like, you know, settle in in, like, the 9-10 to 9-15 area. And, you know, maybe over time as the season goes on, he will. But, uh yeah, I guess it kind of speaks a little bit to Caps not being able to evaluate their goaltenders because Samsonov has been pretty good for the Maple Leafs this uh, season too. But that's a topic for another podcast. But yeah, Vanacek was fantastic in his revenge game last night. Uh, he's kind of, like I know Jack had the hat trick, which we're going to get to here in a second. But I thought Vanacek was the reason they won that game. Just cause the Caps, I mean, they had like thirty-four scoring chances last. Not night. even close. Yeah, not even close. He yeah. he he was incredible. Yeah, and you could tell that you could tell just in the first period that game meant something to him to play against like the team that didn't believe in him and something like it. You know, athletes may like downplay that kind of stuff, but you know. Especially because he had a decent season for him last year too. He was he was at least league average in most all categories. Yeah, he was even or a little not bit above. above. Yeah, he was even a little bit above average. And you kind of look what's happening with the Caps this season and what their goaltenders have kind of struggled. I I think kind of safe to say that the goaltenders aren't the problem in Washington. So I'm sure he feels a little vindicated with the start to the Devils and being able to stick it to his former team, especially since he didn't get the start the first time they played against each other. It was Blackwood's game. Um, this time he Which was kind of weird because I, I think we all weird. thought he was going to get that game. Yeah, I thought at the time too Vanacek was going to get that game. But yeah, he got his revenge in the end and uh, he was not the sole reason, obviously, the Devils won, but probably the main reason. Yeah, definitely. So... Uh, Jack Hughes, first hat trick since Sharon Govich, first natural hat trick since... I think it was like 2017 or something they had said on the broadcast. Yes. Who was it? I don't remember. I just remember the date. I don't remember who it was, though. That was the playoff year. Was it... I, mean, I feel like Taylor Hall. Was it was Taylor Hall? Good. Yeah, it would Probably. be a good guess, but I don't know. I guess we're supposed to know that, but we don't. So. Yeah, we're unprepared. Viewers, you can fact check us out. Yeah. Where's Bill Spaulding when you need him? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Spaulding who was the one who mentioned it on the broadcast, too. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, man, where did we start with his performance last night? What was his expected goals for while he was on the ice? Uh, probably not that high because, like, the the location oh because he scored yeah yeah the okay. locations from where he scored the goals are like not where normal human beings score goals from in the nhl uh the first goal, i mean banging two in is pretty impressive i mean yeah the let first alone one, one i don't like i said in my uh recap of that capitals game that the second goal was more impressive but if you wanted to tell me the first goal was more impressive too like i wouldn't argue you um like the first goal, first of all, well, on the first goal, he makes like a beautiful read to intercept the Capitals. Like it was a bad breakout pass, but he still. Made I think the first read. one's more intentional. Um, oh, I, I think thought the, the second, second one, one was extremely intentional as well. It was definitely intentional, but it's more of like a hail mary shot attempt opposed to like the first one. You know, he's definitely getting around the goalie and banking it in. Um, the second one, I know he was throwing it at the net and tried to aim for his head, but the fact that he hit it and then it went in is I just mean, he's done incredible. it before. He, he did it with the USNTDP. He did it to Tristan Jari just like a year and a half ago during the COVID-shortened <laughs> season. He He's tried it on other goalies, too, and it hasn't worked, but he's come close. He's okay, like, maybe, more luck is in, maybe more luck's involved with the second one. I'm not even sure it's luck with him. Like He seems to know how to do that. Well, there's like not even like even the best snipers in the league can't really do that. Um, he was clearly aiming for that spot and he hit it. Uh, he was trying to bank it off the back of Lindgren's shoulder or whatever, and he pulled it off. Like, I that's why I, to me the second goal was more impressive because he was almost behind the goal line, too. Like, he was even, I, I and the third one was pretty, pretty special, too. Yeah, that was a great pass from Eric Halla, too, to set him up for the hat trick. Um, he's played well, um, whenever he's been with Hughes, even though he's not like a high end score, but yeah, I mean, Hughes was just kind of ridiculous last night. Uh, he was like, um, when he was on the ice, he was second on the team and expected goals percentage at like 73% to Dawson Mercer. Um, he was, Dawson's look great since he's moved up in the lineup. Yeah, him and Jack have a thing, and this dates back to last season when Ruff experimented with the Sharon Govich Hughes Mercer line. Uh, they just, obviously, a little bit of chemistry there, and uh, you look at their five on five numbers together just as a pair, not with a third winger. 
Uh, the Devils have really kind of crushed teams with the Mercer and Hughes on the ice. Team. I'm excited to see Palat back on that line because I yeah. think Palat will be a great addition to that yeah, line. Yeah, even like trying to move Sharon Govich there, but Hollow is playing well with him too, and he seems to have pretty good chemistry with Hughes. So like, I don't hate having Hollow there as a second line left wing. And he, and he's been dominant from the dot. I think he was like 73 percent last night, which is absurd. Yeah, and Jack's. I mean, faceoffs. He's like in the low 40s, I think, in faceoffs. So. Uh, the yeah, one deficiency in his game. Yeah, pretty much. But, I mean, the goals last night were all, like, pure skill on his end. There's not many. The first goal, there's, like, not even many players who can stick a handle like that and then just intentionally bank the puck off, like, Lingren's skate. It wasn't even, like, his pat. Like, he banked it off the, the blade of his skate, which I didn't even notice at first. I thought it was, like, off the back of his leg. And I looked at the replay. I'm like, oh, he hit that off Lingren's skate. That's kind of ridiculous. So, yeah, I mean, that's what star players do. Like, when the rest of the team is not playing that well at five on five and you kind of pick up the you grab him by the collar and you drag him across the finish line. Yeah. Like that's exactly what he did last night. Like he picked up the slack for everyone else. Um, his line mates too deserve credit because Mercer had two assists and Hall had the beautiful primary assist on the hat trick goal. So um, yeah, he's a star. He's been their best player the whole season. I know just brag off that like crazy season uh, start, but like Jack Hughes was kind of just unlucky those first like five, 10 games or whatever. But now he's finding the back of the neck and he looks like he's going to, come close to finishing with 100 points if he stays healthy so 90 to 100 points let's say so yeah fantastic performance from him him and VTech were the reason why they won that game last night definitely definitely so um should we get into your favorite section of the show uh stat corner stat attack here we go alex what do you got for us this week i'm so i named a bunch of stuff already and uh Oh man, where do I go with this? I mean, I sh- I feel like I should talk about the goaltending again because Vanacek and Akira Schmid. Give us some goaltending stats. Yeah, yeah that, so I, I actually tweeted it from Jay Fresh. Uh, and let me just pull that up quickly because that way I have the exact stats. But Jay Fresh, you know, every Sunday morning he tweets like his weekly kind of stuff. And he had the team goaltending. And if Twitter would decide to load. Okay, there we go. Yeah, so he uh, tweeted team goaltending, and uh, after this week, the Devils uh, are top 10 in the league in goals, save above expected. Uh, Yeah, there we go. So the Devils are at 8.6 goals, save above expected, which is sixth in the league right now. And that's obviously better than above average goaltending. It's obviously well above average as well. Um, There's nothing to, like, you know... All our the stats guys like me and Todd Cordell and CJ all offseason were kind of like just saying like just get a goalie and you know maybe at first Vanacek didn't kind of like inspire too much enthusiasm from the fan base when you're looking at his stats from the Capitals but you know it turns out and Tom Fitzgerald said it in the interview with all about the jersey I think that uh, was Tyler Blazanski sorry if I'm mispronouncing that but um, that you know they they like Vanacek they saw an opportunity with Vanacek like that if they just acquired him and they gave him more of a 1A kind of role that they thought he could thrive with it. And it turns out they were right in thinking that way. They also thought that about Alexander Georgiev. Apparently, Georgiev has been fantastic for the Avalanche to start the season, so they definitely knew what they were looking at. Well, it was reported that they tried to go after him, right? Yeah, that's why I'm saying that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Those were like their two targets. Um uh, yeah, I mean, their goaltending has been really good. And I think the 8.6 goal save above expected is a little inflated because of Akira Schmid. Because if you look on Money Puck right now, Akira Schmid's, uh, well, it was like this before some of the later games yesterday, but he's top 15 in goal save above expected in the league right now. And he's only played in like five games and, uh, yeah, four games and change or something like that. Uh, he's at 4.7 goal save above expected, which is just ahead of Matt Murray, Lo- Logan Thompson, and Kevin Lankinen, who's having a really good rebound season with the National Predators. And uh, that's why when you talk about, like, hey, is Blackwood the number two here? Is it Kier Schmid? I think uh, you know you have a little bit of a controversy when that time comes. But, yeah, because goaltending has been so good this season, we're going to keep it to some goaltending statistics here because uh, it's kind of a big reason why this team's 18-4 and four after 22 games. Definitely, definitely. Um, I only have one uh, statistic for us this week, and if you throw trash on that ice, it makes you 100% a dickhead. Um, so there's my stat for the week. Uh, expected dickhead per 60 is 100 here, I guess. I don't know. 100% if you throw crap on the ice. Yeah. So, uh, And that's the end of stat attack. All right, into my favorite section of the show, Devil's Dungeon. Alex, what do you got? 
So it would, I, I mean, I was gonna say Devils fans for you know what happened in Toronto, but like they, it's not. I was uh, instead of that, I'm gonna blame Toronto for disallowing three goals because like the Devils had a really good game here again, like another really another good week. Like, I can't com even complain about their performance in that Maple Leafs game because they were the better team. <laughs> but like, yeah, I guess the refs because they disallowed three goals even though two of them really should have been disallowed. Um, but. It, I mean, it's tough. I mean, like, even though they lost the game, it's still tough to pick something for Devil's Dungeon again because they're still 18 and 4 and they won three out of four games again. Like, what are you supposed to do here? And nobody's. Yeah, contributions from the entire lineup. Yeah, and nobody's playing poorly. Um, so, like, what are you supposed to do here? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to continue to rail on it. I think I'm going to go back to what I was last week and their face off percentage. Was it another uh, bad week for that? It was, it was. They won two out of two games, but still, when they're when they're losing, they're getting crushed. So yeah. I think that's something they need to continue to work on because um, I think it's extremely important. But um, that's just my honorable mention. I am going to throw Devils fans in the Devils dungeon. Uh, yeah, don't throw shit on the ice. It's as simple as that. Um, yeah. And I got nothing else to say because it just makes you look bad. It doesn't make you look cool. It doesn't make the building more intimidating. It just makes you guys look like scumbags. So yeah. that's end of rant. Yeah, and even you know Merrick, I think said it on his own show um, on Sportsnet after it happened uh, that you know it's just like a it's just like a bad luck. Like he was saying, like don't throw. It was such a great game too. Yeah, like, that's yeah. the thing too. It was like a damper on the game, and like you know I don't want to rehash it again because we already spoke about it. But yeah, just don't throw. Just don't throw stuff on the ice. All right, and that's the end of Devil's Dungeon. All right, Alex, three stars of the week. Uh, this should be a tough one. Yeah, so I'm going to go with the goaltending tandem again because of Schmeed's and uh, for third start. I'm going to go with Schmeed and Vanacek for, really because of their two performances against Buffalo and uh, uh, Washington. They were both fantastic. Um, it's good when you have a, a tandem that you can rely on and not just one goalie. It's like the Devils haven't really had that since the Schneider-Kincaid tandem when they made the playoffs in 2017-18. And even that year, they both had like roller coaster seasons. So... Right now, like Schmied and Vanacek, every time they're on the, they get a start. You feel confident with them going on, and they're not having these wild ups and downs in their plays. So, third star for me is Vanacek and Schmied, the tandem. Sounds good to me. I think I agree with you there. I'll go with them as the third star because it's pretty hard not to. Um, I mean, just top top ten goaltending that gets you wins. Yep. So second star, um, I was kind of debating between Sharon Govich and Mercer because they both had pretty good weeks, but I'm going to go with Mercer since he's got five. He had five points in four games this week. Uh, and like I mentioned in my recap for the uh, the Capitals game, even though he only has one goal over this little stretch, it's not for lack of chances. He had the most high danger chances at all strengths against the Sabres, and he was like second in, against the Capitals uh, on Saturday night. So if he keeps it up, like and his 5-on-5 five five numbers have been really good with Jack especially. So like if he keeps it up, um, especially with the amount of chances he's generating, the goals are going to come for him. So, yeah, second star for me is Dawson Mercer. Fantastic. I think the second star for me is actually going to be, and this will be a weird one. I'm going to say Mike McLeod. Oh, um, okay. Did you give a the third reason star? I say it, what was that? Did you give a third star? Yeah, I, I agreed with you on the goalie tandem. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah I think I'm going to go with Mike. I'm going to go with Mike on the second one. I think he's. Um, really played well the start of the season. Maybe he doesn't have as many points as we'd like, but he had the the great uh, assist last game. I think he's been fantastic from the dot and really driving. Uh, I've seen a lot of skill plays from him this season too, and I thought you know, he deserves a shout-out for this this past week because I think he was a big glue guy for those wins. Yeah, he had the assist on Zetterlund's goal against Caps, didn't he? Right? Correct, yeah. yep, yep. Yeah, so, so he's, he's, he's playing in the like, corners. Yeah, I think he and you know strong penalty killer as well. Right. Yeah. My game. So, who's your first star? Yeah. Uh, yeah, first star. Uh, well, yeah, duh. Jack Hughes hat trick, first career hat trick as well. And it was not just that game. He had the goal against the Sabers. He's been playing really good hockey. He looks like a top center in the league these days. And uh, I mean, it kind of just goes without saying. I, I don't have to describe Jack Hughes' play for you that much. Uh, he's just been like all-star level this whole week and he's really really damn good and that hat trick uh, was pretty sweet uh so yeah first star of the week goes to him yeah i think that's fair um 
I'm going to go with Nico. I think Nico had another big week. He had the three assists uh, against the Oilers uh, and dominated that first line. I thought he also dominated the first line of the Leafs in that game. Um, yeah, I think Nico's easy first star for me, even though Jack had you know some of the highlight highlight uh, worthy goals and you know the hat trick and everything. I think Nico end to end had the best week for me. Yeah, and you it's like even Nico or Jack, like you could pick them for first starter like most weeks than not. So yeah, no issue there. All right, sounds good. All right, let's get to our first mailbag of the season. I think Alex is going to read uh, the questions that were submitted. Uh, Alex, you're going to do Twitter handles from the submissions. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm going to do that just before we get started with some of the questions. I got close to like. 15 to 20 questions here and i don't really think we have time to answer all of them but thank you to everyone that asked a question you know maybe moving forward here if we don't answer them on a podcast i'll try to answer them like on an article for thw like a mailbag kind of question uh but once again thanks to everyone who asked questions i'm sorry if we don't get to all of them because we just don't have that much time i think here I was really surprised at how many questions we got. So thank you once again. So, um, you yeah, know, we'll do these periodically. Yeah, so I'm sure. And, and I'm sure there's some overlap as well. Yeah. Um, so if you, if you can, you know, maybe combine some of them or if they're the same theme type of thing, hopefully we can get to most of them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, um, let's see, I'm going to pull up right here for my bookmarks on Twitter. All right. So let's start off with, all right, yeah, this is a good one. Let's uh, start off with a question from at Wakes3019. Jake, good friend of mine. So um, he asked, despite the winning streak, is there an area you want to see the Devils get better at as the season goes along? It's a pretty good question. Um, yeah, I, I could start. Yeah, go ahead. Face-off percentages. Uh, I think I've, I've harped yeah. on that the past couple of weeks. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the definitely improve from the face-off dot. You're still not winning enough consistently from there. Um, and it's the easiest way to control play, especially um, with the puck possession that this team wants to have, uh, either on the break or or in the offensive zone. And that's the best way to improve your power play as well, to start uh, instead of having to re-enter the zone from a clearance. Yeah, uh, man, I mean, I kind of might go with that question myself because even when I try to think about like some of these stats that I you know use all the time, there's like really nothing to gripe about. Like they're playing well defensively. They're generating like some of the best offensive numbers in the league. Goaltending's been fantastic before. Um, I guess I don't know if this answers Jake's question specifically, but like when Mackenzie Blackwood comes back, I would like to see him play better than he was before the injury. Because like I don't think the goal, the Devils' goal here ultimately is to have Schmid kind of go play more regular minutes with the Comets. Um, with Nico Dawes, I don't know if like they're planning to use a. Sh- I don't think they're going to use a Vanacek Schmid tandem here, but um, you know, going forward, and if that's the case, they're going to need Blackwood to be better than he was before the injury. So I guess you know that would be the one area. But otherwise, I would probably go with faceoffs too, especially in special team situations. Uh, I think it's more important it's on special teams than it is uh, on five and five because like if you win a faceoff on the power play. You know, you you get the zone time right away. You don't have to go back, backtrack the puck from you know your own end for like and lose twenty twenty five seconds on the power play. Likewise, on the penalty kill, if you want to draw right away and clean it, you, uh, clear it, you, you you know waste about thirty seconds off the opposing team's power play. So yeah, I think faceoffs is a good one. All right, fantastic. What else? What's uh, next down the pike? Um, thank you, Jake, for the question. Yes, thank you, Jake. Uh, so at David Bernberg. Uh, sorry if I mispronounced some of your last names on here, but I kind of suck at that. Um, he says, what trades do we need to make and what would be considered our weak areas? That's a little bit what kind of Jake was asking before. So I guess we can kind of skip over that. But what trades do we need to make? Um, are there any enforcers worth talent? Uh, any enforcers with talent worth trading for? I'll start off there. No. Um I don't want an enforcer on yeah. the team. I don't think he's, we need one. He's talking about like maybe someone like who's like kind of harder to play against with like some skill, like a Kachuk type. I don't think he means like a you know like a Ryan Reeves type. Okay. Um, I mean, I guess it all depends on what's in the in the return. I mean, there's rumors now that Timo Meyer is yeah. worth less than what DeBrinket was yeah, uh, this summer. Yeah. 
um, that might be worth kicking the tires on. But I think from from a front office perspective, I think the number one priority has got to be Jasper. And shout out to James for for breaking that this week that discussions have started. Um, I mean, you're going to get Palat back. You're going to get McKenzie back. Um, I, I don't know. I think I think maybe you you add some depth, but I, everything's firing on all cylinders. I, you really don't want to mess with the chemistry, but especially you don't want to give up the farm either. I think just let the farm develop. Uh, if anything, they're pretty much a little bit ahead of schedule with how well they're playing this season. Yeah, I think if you're going to make a trade, it probably shouldn't be for a rental at this point unless like... I would think if you were going to make a rental trade, it would be for like a goalie. But now that Akira Schmid has played so well, you might not even need to do that. Um, that'd be an interesting I think the only thing you might do is, is if you're pretty confident going into the offseason, you're not going to re-sign Severson. Yeah, then, you could. But then I maybe mean, you trade him for a goal-scoring winger. Yeah, but even then, I think you want... I mean, it's looking like their playoff odds are like at 98% at this point. So like they're probably getting in. I think you want Severson on that roster for a playoff run. Uh, you just kind of have to bite the bullet. Um, and maybe lose them for nothing in free agency. But yeah, I don't know as far as, and we got a couple questions like that too. So I hope that answers us, you know, others who are all trade questions. I I would, I would sit tight for right now. Yeah. I don't think there's anything you need to do. Uh, I do still think we probably need some more scoring out of a winger, top six winger. And that's what I was talking about. Like not going for rentals. Like if you're going to go get like a scoring winger, it needs to be someone with term like a Timo Meyer, and I guess depending what happens with the St. Louis Blues, you could try to check in on Pavel Buchnevich. But, um, yeah, as far I'm, – I'm sitting – Or Tarasenko, I guess, right? Tarasenko's but, a uh, rental. Too many... though, so like, do you want to – Yeah, I mean, I guess you could sign and re-sign him though, right? Because right. he's a free agent coming this season. he's 31, season. so, like, you're not going to give him an eight-year – or a seven-year contract, um, seven, eight-year contract re-signing him. Especially later. with all this shoulder surgeries right. he's had as well. It would well. probably be something like a four- or five-year deal. Uh, so I could see Tarasenko too, yeah. But yeah, I'm with you. Right now, I'm just sitting tight and kind of letting the season play out. And you never know what other injuries could hit us, you know, hit, and then it might change your trade deadline plans and what you need to target. But yeah, I'm sitting tight for the time being. All right. Thank you for that one. On to the next one. Yeah, so you just mentioned Brad before. I got a question from uh, Arthur who asked, uh, what contract month, uh, dollar-wise do you think the devil offers Brad's camp and what do you think he will ask for? Uh it's tough to say what he would ask for. I think he um, wants to be the team's highest paid player more than Jack. Okay. Um, I, if I'm, if I'm the devils, you got to keep it in the same threshold as Jack and Nico. Yeah, I agree. Just for, similar to what the Bruins have done, similar to what the lightning have done. Um, you got to keep these guys in, in all in the same range because you're going to need depth as, as it goes. You're not going to be able to resign everyone. So, I think you go eight and eight and a quarter for eight years, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. I think the max I would go on Brad is like eight by eight point five per year. I like something similar to what Cairo got. Uh, you yeah, know, just Kyrou, Robert deal. Thomas. I think those are like your two kind of good uh, contract comparables. Um, and especially since Brad's a bit of a better player than Robert Thomas, um, even Cairo as well. But like they've yeah, but Robert Thomas is a center though, right? Right. Yeah, that's true. He is a center. Um, and the thing is, too, is like the Jack, uh, the Devils have like marketed Jack as like the face of the franchise, like kind of thing. Like you can't really pay Brat that much more money than Jack. And I know the Devils got kind of a bit of lucky in paying Jack when they did, because if they decided to do the contract extension later than they did, it would be worth a lot more than eight million dollars a year. Uh, but perspective is important here, and uh, yeah, I think you got you can't go that much higher than what Brat or. Jack's uh, A, B is. Yeah. I mean, you got to get it done, but, you know, structured in a way that he gets paid or paid now and then in whatever. But, yeah, it's got to be eight, eight and a quarter for eight years. That's where I'm at. Yeah, um, I agree Because if you want to build a successful team, you can't have this top-heavy contracts like you do with the Leafs yeah. where you or have even three like or four players. Having like a Panarin, like an $11.5 million contract with the Rangers, look at them. They're in kills you. right now. It, it kills you. Yeah. It absolutely kills you. So um, I hope Jesper understands that, you know, yeah. to build a successful team, you can yeah. still get paid, but also be reasonable about it. 
Yeah, so, uh, let's see, let's, let's scroll down here. Uh, Mr. Thyroidless asked us, what should the plan be with Blackwood? And v uh, now that it looks like Vivi and Akira can handle goaltending duties, we kind of touched on that a little bit um, already. I, see, I still think you can even probably push the Blackwood thing into the new year, right? Yeah, you By can the time he gets back the and then deadline even. Like, you don't have to yeah, because then, them. you know, you can put them on one of those, what, 30-day conditioning stints down it's less in than that, Utica. Like, you can do, like, five starts on a conditioning stint or something like that. Yeah, like two weeks or whatever. Yeah. So you can, you, you can play some games with it and push it out. Yeah. Um, and to be honest with you, um, I think that question probably will answer itself because you'll probably have another injury or, or something like that. Or if Schmid's really playing out of his mind, then maybe you even look to trade Blackwood. Who knows? Yeah. So, yeah, we kind of already touched upon that, but thank you for that question as well. Um, at Adams Bananas asks us, with our D prospects stocked up, especially on the right side, will the Devils trade one for an established winger like Meyer, or which, and which prospect is most likely to be used as the chip? And you talked about that a little bit before with Severson. I think the biggest prospect to be used as a chip, and we've already tried to see it maybe during the summer with some rumors, is probably Chase Stillman. Not the name a lot of people are going to want to be hearing, but that's probably the name that I think Fitz has thrown out the most from every rumor I've heard. Yeah, I mean... Even though it's probably not worth that much, but I'm just saying that's, yeah, I that's don't know the chip what, that's probably I don't know being how used. I, Stillman's actually been playing a little better. What do you have, four goals in the in is he in the queue or yeah, where is uh, he? Yeah, the OHL with Peterborough, and he has like 12 points in his last 10 games, so he's been playing a little bit better. But yeah, I mean, uh, Adam's talking about like deep prospects here, and like you got Simone Nemitz uh, on the right side. You have Seamus Casey as well. I don't want Nemitz playing this year. Yeah, well, I don't. Nemitz you know. isn't going anywhere, but I could see Seamus Casey possibly being a part of a trade chip at some point. I think Shakir Mukhamadulin would probably be a trade chip at some point if you want to go after like someone like Meyer. Uh, they're pretty loaded on defense, so like eventually, and obviously Luke Hughes, but we all know he's untouchable. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting question. Yeah, I would say Seamus Casey. Would you trade Seamus? I don't know. Shakir like and a pick for Timo. I wouldn't trade both. Uh, Shakir and Sheamus, but I think you would have to trade one of them. But I mean, Frank Saravalli saying Timo's trade value is less than what Debrinkets was in the summer, so you might not even have to do that. It's uh, kind of an interesting question. And Patrick here before. What would you give up for Timo? So, what did the Senators give up? They gave up a top 10 pick and then like a 39th overall, right? Something like Second, that. Second, yep. So you'd have to give and a third, I think, too, right? Didn't they give up three picks? Uh, it's possible. So you would have to give up something equivalent in value to that. Uh, but it's le like Saravali saying it's less. So Shakir would probably be one, and then I mean you could do a first with like super protections on it, like top twenty protected or something like that. Um, you could even I mean the devil second is not going to be that high because there's probably going to be a playoff team so i don't know how much value that carries um yeah it's an interesting question i'm not great with placing trade value stuff so um but yeah i wouldn't trade both shakir and sheamus it would be one of them for sure especially sheamus is at a point per game pace and freshman with the michigan like devils could be like yeah we don't really want to trade this guy either right now so and even edwards is playing well over in michigan too fourth round draft yeah, pick he had a, nice goal a couple years back too. Um, Devils have all the all the good defensive prospects in the NCAA right now. Yeah, yeah, seriously, and they're all in Michigan. So, um, all right, let's get to another question here. Uh, this is a good one. Joe Fawer twenty one asks, "Where do you think Siegenthaler should be ranked among all defensemen in the league? Pure overall value, not just related to the team or anything else." Which is, I like that question. I'll let you go first here, though. That's a tough one. Um, I think the consistency's been there now for about a year and a half, right? Yeah. Um, it's hard not to put him as a top 10 defenseman, even though his name doesn't jump out. His impact has been incredible defensively. He's really given Dougie the partner he needs. Uh, even his offensive numbers have ticked up this season. I think it's pretty easy to put him as a top 10 defenseman. His statistics have proven that for the past year and a half now. So yeah, I think it's pretty easy for me. Yeah, even though even though like a lot of people around the league don't know him, and that contract is extremely team friendly. Yeah, I agree with you. I'd probably have him top ten too. A lot of people love what John Marino has done for the Devils this the season, and like I don't blame you for thinking that. But I think Siegenthaler has been their best defenseman this season, just like two ways. Um, the defensive game was always there with him, but he's added a different dimension offensively. And like, you know, when we start 
talking about Norris conversation, like Siegenthaler should definitely get some votes when the time comes. Assuming the problem is, is he's not going to have the point totals. To That's be in what that I was going to get to. Like if it, like Dougie keeps putting up the points, he's going to get the Norris votes over Siegenthaler, but that that shouldn't take away from how good Siegenthaler is. Um, yeah, I'd say he's like top. 10 defensemen now too i think that's probably a good place to value and i mean like, he might be one of one of defensemen defense defensive defensemen yeah i mean he's sense. like um kind of like adam pellick and his at his peak kind of at this point pellick was um also had really good two-way impacts and pellick is still very good so um you know hopefully more people start catching on how good siegenthaler has been um because yeah he's like in like uh the question asked like pure overall value into the league. Yeah, I think top 10 is a good spot for him at this point. Yeah, I think so. I think compared, he might be the best devil compared to his peers. Uh, What do you mean? At his position, he might be the best devil compared to his peers. Oh, yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. And, like, Dougie's having a really good season too, but, like, Siegenthaler's defensive game is just kind of like on another level. And now that he's has, he's got the offense – um, it's pretty impressive stuff. So let me scroll. Definitely. Down. All right, let's get a couple more in here. Yeah. So Charlie, good friend of mine, asked, uh, "Can we expect a trade soon, Papa Alex?" Um, a trade soon? No, I don't think so. But uh, and we had like a couple of people ask, like, uh, are, "Are they going to be buyers at the deadline?" Which I think you can kind of tie into that as well. Um, I think it's tough to say if they're going to be buyers. I mean. I think they actually might even be sellers. No, they're definitely, but not in the traditional sense. Not in the traditional. Yeah, no, I know sense. what you're saying. Just, they're not going to be like it's not going to be a fire sale for this year for sure. Yeah. Um, sellers, it would be like someone like Severson or Graves, but like they've both played well, and you want them on the roster for a playoff run. Especially Graves has got good experience with his time from Colorado. So, um, yeah, Severson but they was might on that you know, 2018 team that went to the playoffs too. So he's got a little yeah. bit of experience. Um. Yeah, so to answer Charlie's question, do I can we expect a trade soon? I'd say no, um, but I do expect them to do something at some point as the trade deadline gets closer. Um, and yeah, we had a couple of people ask similar questions, so hopefully that answers it for you. Um, how many you want to? We still got like uh, quite a few more. How many more do you want to do? Yeah, come on, let's do a couple more. Let's right, yeah, give so, the people what they want. Yeah, so Rich NJ twenty three asked, "Does Brunette leave for a head coach's job?" Uh, not mid-season. Yeah, mid-season not happening. Uh, but if the Devils decide to extend rough after the season, I could see Brunette leaving in the offseason, and I, you kind of just have to let him go. But, yeah, it's not going to happen in the middle of the season. He's going to be with the Devils until uh, whenever their playing days for this season are over. So um, I think we got like three more maybe, so maybe we can pull off all of yeah. this. Uh, Tom, Tomor227. Uh, asks, once Plot returns, do you think they'll play him with Hughes and Sharon Govich? Um, no, I see him playing with Hughes and Mercer. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. I think that's uh, the same. I think Fa- Fabian's I think Fabian's play has dropped a little bit, pushing him down to the third line, which I don't mind. I think he's good on the third line with Sharon Govich and Boquist, but I think once Plot's back, you probably have Boquist draw out of the lineup. Yeah. Um, or Fabian, one or the other. Um, yeah, it'd probably then, be Boquist. I think Zetterlin's on pace for like 18 goals and 50 points, so he's probably going to keep his place in the lineup. That's true, and then you can have Hollis slot back into the center spot on the yeah, third line. exactly. So, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, assuming things hold together, it'd probably be Palat, Hughes, and Mercer. That's probably what I see happening when Andre's back. Um, yeah, you just have two people that have great skill but also can just hunt the puck down for Jack. Yeah, and this one from at two single Sanger. Uh, it's a two part question. Actually, they're both unrelated. Ooh, two parter. Here yeah, we they're, go. They're unrelated, but he's got two questions. If you had to take a guess, which defenseman do you see getting dropped at the end of the season? So I guess which ones do you mean? Like, do you see them leaving? So let's answer that first before we get into his second question. Um, like no longer being part of the team or just yeah, being dropped like from the lineup? not going to be on the roster moving forward? I mean, obviously the two answers are Graves and Severson because they're the pending UFAs and you have Luke Hughes and Simone Nemitz coming up. But I don't I think, think... I think it's pretty safe to say Severson's gone. Yeah, I think Severson's gone and I definitely see a case for Ryan Graves being back. 
Uh, he I think well. Ryan Graves is back because he, he solidified himself on that left side. Yeah, and he's played really well with John Marino, so that could be like your second pair next season. For and, a long time to come if you re-sign him at a, yeah. at a fair value. Yeah, so, and then like your third pair could be like some combination next year of Brendan Smith, Luke Hughes playing on the right side, and like some Kevin Ball. Kevin Ball as well. Yeah, so, uh, and just the way Severson's usage is kind of like dramatically decreased this season, and Ryan Graves is still... So, solidly a top four defenseman so yeah i think severson's gone and i think i think graves is back i think they're gonna i don't know what that next contract is gonna look like but i think they're gonna resign him he well he's he's definitely not gonna be able to get more than siegenthaler graves yeah i mean graves is making like 3.6 million dollars i think that's like his cap it's around there right now so like he's not gonna take a pay cut that's for sure no Um, i don't think so but i think it'll come in around the same yeah, I, I can see like a, a little bit. I think to Severson's cap, it's like four point one two five million now. So I can see that for Graves moving forward. So, and then his second question is: I might be wrong, but Blackwood is on the last year of his contract. Do you think they'll extend him or move on? Which, you know, I think it really detect. I think we can answer that question come the new year and see what this next stretch looks like for Akira Schmid. Yeah, that's what if I was he continues with what he does, especially during that stretch that I highlighted, like towards the end of December. Um, I think it a lot hinges on that. Yeah, I think um, it's if Schmid keeps doing this and then Blackwood comes back and he doesn't perform well, I think then the writing's kind of on the wall. But it's still too early to say for sure. I think you need to see what Blackwood looks like when he comes back from this MCL sprain and if he kind of looks like as he did before and he's a little bit too inconsistent and he's you know Schmid was like still sitting at like a 930 save percentage after getting sent that back down to Utica I think then the Devils they're not gonna let him go for nothing but they'll probably try to move him in the offseason and actually that's yeah, it. I that covers so. the questions so oh wow that was quick that was yeah. easy yeah well we thank you like, for all the questions yeah, that was fun couple, yeah we had a couple of repeat questions so like I if I didn't mention yours specifically I hope it kind of answered it but uh yeah, thanks for the questions. And like the fisherman said before we started this little segment here, we'll try to do this pretty regular. Well, we'll try to do this pretty consistently. So uh, thanks for the questions again. And uh, yeah, thanks. That's all I got to say. It's good. Uh, it was a fun little segment doing this for the first time on the podcast. So definitely, definitely, we'll continue to do it. Um, let's take a quick week, a uh, quick look at the week ahead. Uh, we can almost call this a rivalry week, uh, minus the Nashville game, but. We have our first game against the New York Rangers tomorrow night. Yes, I will be uh, there. Oh, oh, Alex will be there. Look for him. Uh, he'll tweet <laughs> out uh, meetup locations later. Probably not. Uh, <laughs> then we are back home against the Predators on Thursday. And uh, then travel down the Turnpike to the Broad Street Bullies in Philadelphia on Saturday. What do you think? Uh, three tough games, I think. I mean, Flyers are or doo-doo, but they still play hard. Nashville's a tough team to figure out, and it looks like the Rangers are still trying to find their footing this season as well. Yeah, the Rangers, they're the pressure is on in, on Broadway now. After that Oilers loss, that is... They're a, gripping their stick a little tight there. Yeah, this game is a big one for... It's a big one for both teams, but it, there's a lot more pressure on the Rangers to win this game after that loss. Like They have to show a bounce. Yeah, but I think there's some pressure on the Devils too because... They, they got the doors blown off by the Rangers last season. The Rangers pretty much dominated every game they played, um, in case I'm, unless I'm forgetting something, but it wasn't pretty when there we played the Rangers There was the one game where year. the Devils chased Shesterkin from the net. Okay, so the one game. But I think pretty consistently over the last couple seasons, the Rangers have had the Devils number, so it would be nice to see them with this revamped roster and revamped style of play and really come out there and, and give them a taste of Devils hockey, which we've been come to accustomed this season. Yeah, I don't disagree with you on that, but like, yeah, Rangers were in the Eastern Conference final last year. They were up 2-0 on the Lightning, so like, and a lot of people had the Rangers pegged as like Stanley Cup contenders, but you know, I think as of we're doing this recording, I don't even think they're in a playoff spot in the Metropolitan Division right now. Uh, I'm pretty sure... Carolina, Pittsburgh, the Islanders, and the Devils are all ahead of them right now. With the other four teams in the Atlantic Division, the Rangers are just kind of on the outside looking in. And like I, you know, I the Rangers are a point out of the playoffs behind the Pittsburgh Penguins and Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, and you know, I think both uh, many people would probably expect the Lightning and the Penguins to end up making it. And you know, if the Rangers go through like a little bad stretch here. 
and they find themselves, you know, I don't know, six, eight points behind eighth or seventh place, that gets hard to make up, especially if the teams ahead of you are good, like the Penguins and the Lightning. So I think maybe and there is... And the Panthers like, below them, who, who yeah, we all expect get, to make yeah, the playoffs too. Panthers' five-on-five numbers are really good. And, you know, they're, I, I guess if they don't trade Anthony Duclair to free up some cap space, they're going to get him back pretty soon. Um, oh, hi, Papa Fisherman. Um, um, but, yeah, I, I think the... Like, I agree with you. I think there is some pressure on the Devils to win this game, but I think the pressure is all on the Rangers right now because the expectations were so high for them and they had such a bad loss against the Oilers. I mean, Gallant was kind of like criticizing everyone after the game. They just looked awful. I didn't watch the game, but I saw the highlights and like it was all bad plays that led to Oilers um, goals in the third period. Up three in the third, right? Yeah, it was four unanswered goals in the third period. Like you can't, I don't care if the Oilers have McDavid and Dreisaitl, like you got to finish that one off. Um, and it wasn't even them. Was Dreisaitl got the game-winning goal, but it was Evan Bouchard who got them back in the game. Like, you can't have that happen. Um, so, yeah, I think the Rangers, that there's pressure on them to win that game. If they get run off the ice by the Devils, it's not going to be it's not gonna be pretty if you're a Rangers fan. And, you know, they're, I guess the people who are covering them, it's going to get tight pretty quickly. It's already getting tight. Yeah, definitely. But these are three games the Devils should win, and they should look to win because um, you need to bank as many points as you can before you get into that real – yeah. gruesome stretch towards the back half of December. So I expect three wins this week um, yeah. or maybe even, you know, I would uh, say five out of six yeah. points. Yeah, like two and one uh, would be good or two oh and one. Yeah, I think that's what you're kind of aiming for here. Nashville's kind of like sneak. Like Nashville's got some talent. So like, and John Hines' revenge game, I guess. I don't know. If- yeah, I know. But it's just, you know, at this point with the way they're playing, you got you just got to start banking these points pretty yeah. consistently um, because more injuries will come and tougher tougher stretches, like I've highlighted, will come. And, yeah. you know, you know, you're gonna, you, at some point we are going to have a bad stretch, but yeah, let's, not, let's not start that off with the Rangers game. Yeah, they, I mean, it was what they did after the Maple Leafs game, getting two wins is impressive, and you want to try to keep building off that. Um, but yeah, the schedule is going to get tougher. And like you said, the injuries will, they're going to deal with more injuries, even though Palat and Blackwood should probably be back in the next, I don't know, two, three weeks or something like that. So Lindy Ruff even said they're both skating lightly, um, you know, ahead of practices and stuff. So they might, they're getting closer. I think we're getting Palat back by Christmas. I mean, Palat, um, yeah, I, I would be surprised if he didn't play in games before Christmas, to be honest. Um, I'm targeting, I'm targeting that second Oh, yeah, I'm targeting the first Boston game. When that date of that is when? Friday, December 23rd. Okay, yeah, so that's about, what, four weeks away from now? So, yeah, I think he could – I would be surprised if he's back a little bit before then, to be honest. But Yeah, that's so. It's a big week, so got to get some more points, keep building. Once you get – there's a certain point once you get enough of a cushion in the standings, you're kind of a lock for the playoffs. They're even kind of almost there already, so. Well, I mean, if they played 500 hockey for the rest of the season, maybe. Yeah, so – so, all right. Um, I think that's a wrap on this week's episode. Uh, anything else you'd like to add, Alex? No, I'm good here. All right. Well, um, next Sunday, I think we'll look to record. It might have to be an early recording because uh, the fisherman is heading up to New York City uh, because uh, we'll be working from New York on Monday and then going to the Garden for the game on December 12th. Oh, yeah, look at that. All right, mm-hmm. we're going to miss each other by two weeks at the Garden. Unfortunate. Yeah, unfortunate. But um, all right, that's uh, that's all from Devils on the Rush, episode 10 in the books. I hope everyone had a ha- happy and healthy Thanksgiving, and let's go Devils. Let's go Devils. Let's go Devils.